0: We've been sharing uh, the last couple of uh, weeks uh, on what happens when we pray. And we realize that the God gave us the ability as human beings to connect with him through the avenue of prayer. The Bible says men ought to always pray and not faint. Is that correct? The Bible says we ought to pray without ceasing. Now, to pray without ceasing means that we have a lifestyle of prayer. It does not mean that every waking moment you're going to be praying because you got to communicate, you got to work, you got to do other things, amen? But, but that means that we should have a consistency to our prayer life, that it ought, there ought to be some regularity to our praying, amen? And God gave us that privilege to interact with him. So we as a body of believers have to start taking advantage of that. I believe that one of the reasons why people don't pray more is because they don't understand, amen, the importance of prayer and they don't understand how to pray. When you begin to... Dig into the book and find out that God's hand is moved when righteous men and women of God pray, then then you'll 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 put it as a part of your spiritual discipline because prayer does change things. How many old saints remember that song I know prayer changes things? And when they sung that song, they sung it with a with a with a sense of vitality and vigor because they had seen God move in their lives. They had seen God come in and, and make a dark situation light. Amen. They sing God come in and rescue them so they could sing that with confidence and conviction. So I want each one of us in here, when we leave this place, to understand that God, amen, does answer prayer. And that God wants to, amen, commune with us and have a personal relationship with us. So Hebrews, the third chapter, verse number one, we'll read that real quickly and then we'll jump over and look again at at David and Goliath. as He faces down this giant. Because all of us have some giants in our life that we need to face down. Am I right about it? How many of y'all got some stuff that you need to overcome? How many of y'all got some things that are challenging you right now? Why are you sitting in this church? Some challenges that sometimes you don't, you don't, you don't feel like you're going to be able to make it through. All of us got some of those things, right? But I'm here to tell you that those giants got to fall. Amen? There's, those giants have to follow. There was a part of that psalm that said there's a war going on in the heavenlies. Amen? There's spiritual warfare taking place in the heavens, and God is fighting on our behalf so we got to begin to walk in faith and confess God's word over our situation. Hebrews th- third chapter verse number one. Let's read together. Are y'all ready? Come on, let's read. Wherefore holy brethren partakers of the heavenly calling consider the apostle And the high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. The high priest and the apostle of our profession or of our confession. What this text tells us is that Jesus Christ, the one who hung, bled, and died on Calvary, the one who was crucified, buried, and resurrected, that very same Jesus is the apostle and the high priest of our profession of what we say. Can they get a witness? That means that an apostle is a sent one. So Jesus will take our words, come on, that we say and take them to the father in heaven. Amen. And get an answer for the thing that we're praying about. Now that's, again, he will take our profession as long as our profession is in line with God's word. So we got to begin to speak the right things we got to begin to say the right thing. So go back to 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter we'll be right quick, amen? 1 Samuel chapter number 17. I tell you what, I'm excited that God, amen, has saved me. I'm excited that God has saved you if you are saved, amen? I, I'm glad that we have a personal relationship with him and that God, amen, can work through us. Here when we get back to our text in 1 Samuel and y'all know the story. I gave you some points last week, and so Brother Jay, if you just begin to pop those up, some things about David that we got to recognize is number one, God chose David. Everybody say, God chose David. God chose. See, when you're on assignment from God, I don't care if all the devils in hell try to stop you. If God chooses you and you walk in obedience to His will, you will be victorious in this life. God chose David. Amen. Because y'all remember the story how it was that, that uh, Samuel, was it Samuel the prophet that came to Jesse's house and uh, came to anoint one of his sons to be the next king of Israel, right? And he brought seven sons before him and every time that they, he brought and trailed out one of those sons, God said, that's not it. I didn't choose it. Amen. But then finally, after all those seven sons came, because we told, we told you seven is the number of completion, but number eight was David. And that's the number of new beginnings. How many of y'all right now need a new beginning right now in your own life? How many of y'all need a new beginning in your finances? Can I get a witness out there? How many of y'all need a new beginning in your relationships? How many of y'all need a new beginning with a new job? Anybody? Uh, how many need a new beginning, amen, in your faith walk to, be in, to, to, to say, okay, now I want to start afresh, God. I want to start this day yielding my heart totally and completely to you. I I may have messed up in the past. I may have not done all the things I should have done. But God, today, I want to begin afresh. Here's the good part about our Lord, y'all. He will take that confession. If you truly mean it and you want to experience change, then God will help you to transform your life. So today is a new day. Amen. So God chose David. We, started, we, we looked at his family heritage. We saw where he was from, Bethlehem, the place that, that has significance in the Bible. We said that Bethlehem was, was known as, the name means the house of bread and the, the living bread. Amen. Jesus Christ came and was born in a manger in Bethlehem. But God chose David. His family, amen, was there and supporting, amen, in, 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 in a way from the standpoint of putting him out there as the keeper of the sheep. But God reached out and chose someone who seemed to be insignificant to bring him into a place of honor. Can I get a witness? And we said on last week that God oftentimes does that. He'll take those things that seem to be insignificant, those things that seem to be uh, not much of anything. He'll take that thing and use it to bring himself glory. And I'm going to tell you today, God wants to use your life. Amen. Yes, you. Yes, you. Maybe somebody who who most people don't think much of. God will take you and use you to bring him glory. How many of y'all know God wants to get the glory out of your life? So look here at 1 Samuel 17. So God chose David. Second thing, we said God prepared David. He prepared him. Go to, to, if you will, uh, to verse number 14. Verse number 14. God prepared David. Hallelujah. Verse number 14. Glory to God. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse number 14. Let's read together. And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. Next verse, verse 15. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at what? At Bethlehem. Now notice it again. Remember this, that David had already been chosen out and picked out as the anointed one. But everybody say his time wasn't yet. Say it again, say his time wasn't yet. Even though he's already been picked out as the anointed one, the next king of Israel, his time to come forth wasn't yet. And so what did David do until his time came forth? He kept doing what he always been doing. Can I get a witness? Sometimes in this life, guys, we get in a hurry and God may have chosen us and may have anointed us to do a certain thing, but if we get ahead of God, we will ruin his plan for our life. Can I get a witness? How many of y'all, when you were 22, 23, 24, thought you knew everything you need to know to be the adult that you need to be? Anybody in the house? How many, when you got on a job or something, you thought that you, you knew everything you know, and then you discovered that, that, that experience counts? There are some things you have to go through, amen, sometimes in this life, in order to learn how to make wise choices and decisions. One guy put it this way, how do you get wise in making decisions? One of the ways you get wise in making decisions is is, is learn from your bad decisions. How many of y'all had some bad decisions before in your life? And you learn from it. How many of you made some bad decisions and didn't learn? And went back and did the same thing? Guys, I'm going to tell you, David here had been picked out as the anointed one, yet and still, the Bible says he returned to keeping the sheep. I want to know from any any of y'all out there. I want to know: Can you, if you know you've been chosen, if you know you've been anointed, can you keep keeping the sheep? Oh, you don't keep sheep. Maybe, maybe I, I want to know if you've been chosen, you've been anointed. Can you keep on ushering on the usher door until it's your time to come forward? Uh-huh. Ain't nothing in the world wrong with ushering because ushering is a is an admirable ministry area. But can you keep on parking cars in the parking lot knowing you've been the chosen one? Uh-huh. Can you keep on serving? Another man, another woman's ministry when God has already birthed a ministry in your heart. That's the question. Amen. David went back to keeping the sheep. Look at the next verse. It says, but David, and the Philistine uh, and the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. Come on. Verse 17. And Jesse said unto David, his son, take now. For thy brethren and ephod of this posh corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp of thy brother. Let me let me let me summarize this because so we already we, we went over this last week. But what David's dad did was says, I want need you to go check on my boys. Because he had three boys who were in Saul's army and they were in battle. And how many of y'all know that when you go to war? In warfare, everybody don't return home. Is that right? I mean, in physical wars. Everybody doesn't return home. So here the father is asking David to go check. But how many of y'all know God was in the middle of this? Sometimes we're going to do that thing that seems to be natural or seems to be normal. But God will take that, nor- that, that normal thing and put us in a place to where he can bring us forth and show what he's done, what he has in our life. So the Bible says, and carry these ten Jesus up the captain of a thousand and look how the brethren fare and take their pledge. Are you all still with me today? Look at verse number 19. Let's read together. Come on, let's read. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Eli fighting with the Philistines. All right. And David rose up early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. Here's the other thing I want you to understand. Uh, David was not hard headed. David was obedient to his father. All right. Now listen. His father said, "I got an assignment for you, and I need you to go and check on your on your brothers. I need you to take them some food, take their commander some food, uh, but I need you to go check on and see how they're doing." Now, now these these are these are uh, 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 David's brothers who uh, we're going to look and we see Eliab and some other ones. Sometimes they didn't appreciate David and the anointing on his life. How many of y'all have had brothers and sisters who didn't necessarily appreciate you and maybe y'all didn't get along? Maybe there was some sibling rivalry. Anybody had sibling rivalry? You don't have to raise your hand. But I know sometimes some of don't always get along. Oh, y'all going to look at me like that, huh? How many of y'all got some siblings, some brothers and sisters that y'all don't quite get along? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So here David is being obedient to the command of his father to go check on his older brother's who were in battle. And what we're going to see here is that their attitude toward David indicates that they had a little something, something going on before he even got over to the battlefield. Can I get a witness? Let's keep reading. The text says, and he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight and shouted for the battle. Verse 21 says for Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array army against army 22 and David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came And saluted what? He came and saluted his brethren. Next verse says what? And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. And what happened? David heard them. See, now listen to me very carefully. This giant had been speaking and bragging about what he was going to do for 40 straight days. But what was different about this day? The thing that was different about this day is God's anointed man was there. And God's anointed man heard those same words. Goliath, who was over nine feet tall, brother Leroy, had put fear in the hearts, amen, of the men of Saul's army. I'm going to tell you something, guys. Fear if you don't capture it will cause you to not have faith. Fear will chase faith out of your heart. Amen. David, I want you to, I want you to understand something. David, the Bible says David heard them. Now watch what happens when the anointed man of God who was full of the word hears this giant talking noise. Next verse, let's read. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they did what? They fled from him. And they were scared. Let's put it that way. KJV says they were so afraid. I mean, they were terrified of this giant. One man. Now, it seemed like to me, maybe they could have just tried to trick him and and, and, and tell him, send one man out to battle, and then, like in WWE wrestling, like I told you, then you bring five men out of the corner. How many? Come on, wrestling fans. Y'all, we talked about it last week. Y'all were wrestling fans, right? Send one of them out and then send five more in triple team or something. I mean, See, they could have came up with something, but they were afraid of the giant because he was speaking words that were were intimidating. Have y'all ever been intimidated by somebody? Guys, I'm going to tell you something. One of the things that God wants us as believers to to do is to not be afraid when the giants come up in our lives. Now, we we may not face a physical giant of a a nine foot foot tall uh, human being, but there are other giants that come to our life. Health scares monetary uh, problems, huh? relationship issues, uh, 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 maybe you know, all kinds of giants that rise up in our life. But here we see what what, what God's a noted man does. They were scared, but look at verse 25. Let's read together. Come on, y'all ready? Let's go. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy divide, to divide Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches, and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. 26, let's read. And David spake to the men that stood by him saying, what shall be done to the man that killed this Philistine and taken away the reproach from Israel? For who is this? Now watch David's language. Watch David's language. David begins to speak in kingdom tone. David says, who is this un?" Circumcised Philistine. When David said uncircumcised Philistine, what David immediately acknowledges is this man don't have a covenant with God, because he part of Israel's covenant with God was was that 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 the males would be circumcised on the eighth day. I believe it was. In other words, uh, a, a male. Uh, you, y'all know what circumcision is, right? Amen. So, so, uh, uh, so, David says this uncircumcised Philistine, which means David knew that this guy didn't have a covenant with God, that that he should defy the armies of the living God. David could not understand because one thing we got to realize is that David had been out keeping the sheep, but while keeping the sheep, David, who was a soldier, was singing the word of God. Go to Ephesians five and nineteen with me, right quick. And here's what we got to learn to do in our life because see, sometimes. Life will throw you curveballs. Things will happen in this life. The Bible says it rains on the just as well as the unjust. But I believe David was doing what Paul was telling the saints at Ephesus to do. He says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. While he was keeping sheep, can you picture David with his heart, amen, singing and singing the word of God and getting that word down in his heart. David had built himself up by singing words of the Holy Spirit to himself, amen. How many of y'all know faith cometh by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. When David heard the words of Goliath, he couldn't accept them. Listen to me carefully. When he heard the words of Goliath, he could not accept them because those words could not enter his heart because God's word was in his heart. Hear me carefully. He couldn't accept the words from the giant because he had the word of God in his heart. Do y'all remember when, that's one of the psalmist said, I believe it was David wrote, he says, thy word have I what? Hid in my heart. So that I might not what sin against you, God. In other words, David has filled his heart with the word of God so that when the giant, the uncircumcised, the giant who didn't have a covenant with God begin to speak those choice words, David didn't receive. Them. Because somewhere down in David's heart, David had heard that you are more than a conqueror. Amen. David had heard in his heart that that you are the head and not the tail that you are above and not beneath. Somewhere David had put down in his heart the word of God that we are, amen, God's children, and that we are his chosen one, and that he will give us the land. That was in his heart. Now, so, but Pastor, how does that speak to us today? Then? Well, as born-again believers, when we begin to pray and we begin to, to go before God, one of the things that tends to trip us up is what we see and what we hear from the enemy. Because I got news for you guys. The enemy's gonna be always talking to you. The enemy's gonna be always trying to, to, to mess with your mind. You remember what Paul said over in, in 2 Corinthians, I believe in the 10th chapter? Bring every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. Amen. See, see, we gotta break, we gotta capture our thoughts because sometimes our thinking is crazy. Let me see the hands of everybody who, who's had a crazy thought. I, I, no, I got to see your hands. I don't care how spiritual Some point in time, you've had a crazy thought. I mean, you, you're like, where'd that come from? Huh? Anybody ever had a crazy thought? How many of y'all ever had a crazy thought at work? But you know what? If he, if he say one more thing to me, this is going to be my last thing because I'm going to knock him out. But, but baby, you need a paycheck. You need to pay your mortgage. So that crazy thought came in but somewhere along the line, you captured that thought, didn't you? You said, "Oh, although I want to slap him, I'm going to refrain because I need to be paid. Anybody in the house? So all of us have those crazy thoughts. And remember what we talked about before. We said sometimes those thoughts come from what? Our five senses, right? Sometimes those, our thoughts come from what? The devil. That's a devilish thought, right? Uh, and then sometimes those thoughts come from whom? God. Our five senses, us, our, our physical realm, what we see, what we experience, all that stuff begins to influence what I think it is. And then it comes from the devil or it comes from God. So when those thoughts come, I got to capture. If I identify that thought as one that is not in line with God's word, I got to capture that thought. Can I get a witness? All right. So so, so, but, but David, David's heart was filled, filled with the word of God because God had prepared David, guys. He had prepared him. And the third thing we saw was God guided David. I told you this whole process of the dad sending him was not by accident or by happenstance. And I've told you this before. Many times you will meet people in life and you'll run up on situations situation that you think it just happened by happenstance. But it was God leading you and leading and guiding your footsteps. Because God sometimes has to get us in position, come on, to use us the way he wants to use us. So God is guiding David along the way as his father gives the command. And sometimes we think it's the person and we'll get mad at the person sometimes because the person had us over here doing this or doing that and not realizing it was God. Amen. Who's using the person to get us where he needs to have us to be. And we'll get mad at the person. We'll get mad at the messenger. That time people get mad at me for preaching the gospel. Because, you know, the gospel has been preached and 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 sometimes invariably, I've told you before, if you stay here long enough, at some point in time, I'm going to say something that comes directly to your house. I'm going to speak a word that's going to deal with your situation. And when I speak that word that deals with your situation, learn how to receive it and not reject it. Can I get a witness? So so, so so God guided David. Let's get back to the text, okay? Because, because I, I, I don't want us to lose our time. And so God guided David. The fourth thing we said, God encouraged David. How many of you know we need to be encouraged along the way? Glory to God. Let's get back to our text right quick. Uh, verse number 27. Go to verse number 27. God encouraged David. 27. The text says this, And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And we keep reading, it says, and Eliab, here, now here's why I said earlier that sometimes we have issues with our siblings and it's clear to me from this interaction here with Eliab that there was something going on, amen, even before David got here. As a matter of fact, let's, let's, let's go to the, uh, the New Living Translation in verse number 28. Pop it up in the NLT right quick, guys, and let's read it this way. Now remember, David was anointed one. He's already been anointed to be the next king of Israel and now God is guiding him Putting him in a place, positioning him, amen, to go to battle against Goliath because everybody else was scared. Everybody else was afraid. And I'm going to tell you, there are times when God will place you, amen, his anointed child, in a place where everybody else is scared of what to do. But he's got you there for a reason. Watch this, watch this. But when David's older brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was what? Now, here's his brother coming, having a conversation, inquiring about what's going on. Look what he says here. What are you doing around here anyway? Any of our brothers talk to you that way? What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? This kind of just talking down, kind of dissing David. Them few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of. Watch this. I know about your pride and deceit. Here we go. Here's the history here. See, some of us have family history that we got to deal with. Am I right about it? I shared yesterday at the funeral uh, at Sister Juanita's dad. I said, you know, all families have levels of dysfunctionality. It just matters what level that dysfunctionality is. All of us got crazy people in the family. Don't y'all look at me like that. You know you got some cousins, some brothers, Maybe even some mamas and some grandpapas, and that that that, that this you know just don't quite. Not, when I say I'm not, I'm not talking about just I'm not talking my somebody who's sick. I'm talking about somebody who just who 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 don't know how to act right. Any of y'all got some family members who don't know how to act right? When you come together, something will always jump off when they come. Give just give them a little time. You get by one hour, you think everything's good. And oh, your are uh, uh, Brother bro, Joe ain't saying, but then let two hours go by. And then there it is. Huh? Watch this, watch this. Look at this brother. He says, what about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. Look at verse 29. Watch David. Watch it. What have I done now? Again, there it is. What have I done now? Which indicates he had been talking about David before. Wouldn't you agree? So what is it now, Jerry? What is it now, Tanya? What is it now, Eric? That means that Eric and I have had, if I'm saying that, that means Eric and I have relationship. And in families, guys, one of the things that we as Christians who are being taught have to learn how to do is to learn how to address those dysfunctionalities. Quit running from your problems. Quit running from the giants in your life. Quit running from your family issues and concerns and start putting the word of God on your family issues and concerns. Can I get a witness? Too many of us are running from stuff. And God says, I call you. I chose you. I anointed you. I picked, that, I picked you out so that you can be the one who will carry my word because you're getting taught. Maybe they're not getting taught. You, you, you've been taught how to have a crucial conversation. Can I get a witness? You've been taught how to go to someone who's offended you and not go and talk to everybody else in the family. You go to the one one one-on-one. That's what Jesus taught us, right, in Matthew 18. You go to them rather than going to everybody else. What have I done now, David replied. I was only asking a question. David said, what's the big deal? I'm asking a question. I've watched this. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Now watch this. Then David's question was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. Now we know if we're gonna skip on down, the king tried to put his armor on David. So you can't wear somebody else's armor. You got to walk in the anointing that God has 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 placed upon you. So the king tried to put a man uh, his armor on David, and it didn't fit. Y'all, can I get a witness? Look, watch watch David's language now, okay? Uh, Look at verse number 32. Skip, we're at 32. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Here's God's kingdom man. Here's his anointed king speaking what? Words. He's speaking what he believes. Don't worry about this Philistine. I'll go fight him. Now, nobody else volunteered to go fight the giant. All those dudes there, David's brothers included, but nobody wanted to go and fight Why do you think David was so confident in his ability to handle the giant? I tell you why he was confident, because he knew about his covenant with God. And he had seen what God had done with him, even as he kept his sheep. Look at what the text says. Next verse. Come on, 33. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. In other words, Goliath been fighting a long time. How many of y'all been fighting a long time? How many of y'all been fighting all your life? Anybody (laughs) That's just a little little reference for some of y'all. Some of y'all have been fighting all your life. Been arguing and fussing all your life. David says, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with the club and rescue the lamb from from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Watch this. Keep reading. He says what? I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine. Notice David's language. David keeps going back to the fact he calls him pagan, which means this Philistine giant didn't have covenant with God. So why do we as Christians allow people or, or the enemy who doesn't have a covenant with God to control us? If God is in us, the Bible says greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Why are you allowing, amen, folks who don't have covenant with God to worry you to death? Yeah. You're God's anointed one. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Look at the next verse. Watch, watch this. He says, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Lord who rescued me. Everybody say the Lord. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. David understood that his victories didn't come on his own intellect and his own strength and his own wisdom. And that's what some of us mess up in his life. We think that we, gotta, we got it all up here and we got the wisdom and the intellect to, to accomplish everything in life. But listen, listen, it is not your smarts that get you amen, to, into the place that God wants you to be. It is depending on the true and living God. David trusted God. Look at what it says. The Lord who rescued me from the claws. Amen. Uh, of the lion and the bear was rescued me from the Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead and may the Lord be with you with his trifling self, okay? Watch this. Keep, keep, keep moving. <laughs> then, then Saul gave David his own armor, of bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. I, t- I shared it with you earlier. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such thing before. I can't go in these. I can- He says... I'm not used to them, so David took them off again. Watch this: he picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then, armed only with the shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Now, watch this language again: Jesus is the high is the high priest in the, the the apostle and the high priest of our what profession of our confession, what we say with our mouths. Amen. Death and life is where in the power of the tongue. They that love it eat the fruit thereof. Prayer is is, is speaking. Prayer is not just thinking, it's speaking. Jesus even, you remember when Jesus was teaching, the disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. He says, when you pray, say, our Father. Right? Jesus even said, uh, when, when you face a mountain, which is, you know, a mountain, a giant, a problem, whatever, he says, say unto the mountain. Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and don't die in your heart, but believe those things which you say are going to come to pass, you'll have what you say. Now again, my saying has to be in line with his covenant word. My speaking has to line up with what his word says because Jesus will not take my words to the Father if my words are in contradiction to God's word. If my words are out of line, out of, out of line with his covenant. But watch this, Goliath walked... Walked out toward David with a shield bearer ahead of him. Watch this, look at this. Sneering in contempt at this ruddy faced boy. Am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David. He got up and cussed out. Like, let, let me let me let me say. Watch this. Not not it's not fun, is it? Alright, now we, we we we're in church now, and some of y'all looking at me like. Uh, well, Pastor, I, I've cussed somebody out, but I ain't. Now, watch this. Watch this. I'm praying for you because, see, that uh, here's what I say. Now, listen. Here's what I say. I said there, there are, there are, there are plenty of words in Webster's dictionary, and I believe that you are intelligent enough. To speak some of those words in Webster dictionary rather than have to come up with a profanity-laced statement, or word. I think you're smart enough to come up with words that don't involve cussing. I really believe that. Now don't prove me wrong. Don't prove me wrong. Don't 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 show me that you that you're not intelligent. Hello. Don't show me. Don't show me that you, that, that, that you are the basal sort, as Paul said over in the New Testament. See, I believe each one of us are intelligent enough to take those words in a dictionary and be able to make a complete sentence. And even if you're angry, you can say you, you can speak because anger is not necessarily sin unless it's unrighteous anger. But you don't have to go and use profanity lay statement because, guys, that's a poor testimony. Now, how are you going to hear me talk to you about Jesus? I just cussed you out last week on the job. I'm your supervisor, and I cuss you out and then invite you to church. No, are you really going to want to come? Are you really going to want to come? Come on, y'all talk to me. I, I, I need to know that. Are you really going to want to come, come and hear, hear me preach when I just? So, so, so if, if you have a problem in that area, if you have a problem using profanity, Hear me carefully. I'm here to tell you that's, that's not God's will for your life. And, and, and he, wants to, he wants to use you as a, 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 as a vessel of honor. And so you got to learn how to control your tongue, which we're going to talk about in just a second. Okay? Watch it. Watch this. Come on. I got to move. <laughs> and he cursed David by the names of his God. You blankety, blank, blank, blank. You come up in here like you, you little boy. Blank, 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 You blank, blank. You, you blank, 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 blank. And so he's going out. He says, come on here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. He's talking big, right? But what he didn't understand, y'all, David had covenant with God. What he didn't understand, that David's heart was filled with the word of God, so, so all those words of fear that the other folks, amen, took tail and run when they heard them, didn't penetrate David's heart, because guess what? The word of God was there. If you're going to keep trash out of your heart, fill it with the word. The word has a way of chasing that stuff out. It won't let it in. Watch the story. Come on, y'all. I got to move. It says, uh, David replied to the Philistine, you come to, me with, you come to me with the sword, spear, and the javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's army, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Watch David talking. He's talking covenant, y'all. Today, 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 who, who going to conquer you? How many of y'all know the battle is not yours, but whom? God's. The problem that many Christians are facing is we keep trying to fight the battle on our own. I think they sung that song earlier, this is how I fight my battles. He said, it looks like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. See, when God surrounds you, I don't care how many people are surrounding you, trying to take you out, they can't get to you because God's got your back. When God has your back, the enemy cannot destroy you. Yes, he's going to come against you. Yes, he'll try to take you out, but greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will... Ki- Listen to what David is saying. Now, again, I told you, Jesus is the, prof- is, 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 is the, is the apostle and high priest of our confession. Notice what David confesses. He says, he says, number one, today the Lord will conquer you. Is that right? The Lord will conquer you and I'll kill you. Now, watch this. Look at what David says. The Lord will conquer you and I'll kill you and cut off your head. And then I'll give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the world and the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. See, sometimes if you're really walking with God, He ought to show up in your life. Sometimes if you're really walking with God, you, we, you ought to be able to trace Him in your life you will may look back and see the hand of God allowing you to overcome some of the things in your life that seem to be a, a dire situation, but God stepped in right on time. Do I have a witness in here? Somebody knows that the Lord is able. Amen. Come on now. Somebody knows that he's able to pick you up when you bow down on your head. Amen. Somebody knows that he's able to turn you around. That's the kind of God I serve. But watch Dave, watch Dave. Dave said, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. Next verse, come on. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. Who's rescuing the Lord? See, quit depending on your own strength. Quit depending on your own might. Depend on God to protect you. Now, it's easy for me to say depend, but you can't depend if you don't have faith. And faith coming by? And hearing by what? So if I'm going to have faith, which I need faith to be able to, to, to combat fear and the tricks of the enemy, I'm going to have to spend some time learning God's word. Where well, therein lies the problem. We have a church full of folks who don't know word in a lot of cases. I want you to ask yourself this question. When's the last time you spent some quiet time in God's word? What's the last time you came to a Bible study or a small group study to learn more in depth and to be able to ask questions about God's word? See, the word ain't going to just jump in there but you just come to church on Sunday morning. It's going to take a more concerted effort. The problem that many Christians have, I'm not saying you're not saved, but you're not experiencing victory because you don't have no word in your heart. And when there's no word in the heart, there's no word coming out of mouth. And when there's no word coming out of mouth, amen, then that means that that we're not speaking covenant words to our situation. We're speaking doubt and unbelief because there's no word in there to chase the doubt and unbelief out. Are y'all with me? Watch this. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. That's David's covenant word. Look, look at, look at the, verse number 48. Come on, let's read. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quick, quickly ran out to me. David didn't turn the other way, guys. Everybody else ran. He quick because David had covenant. He had word in his heart. Watch this. Watch this. Come on. Uh, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The text said the song sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. Now, again, David has said the Lord is fighting this battle. The Lord is going to give you in my hand. The Lord is going to conquer you. I'm going to kill you. Yeah, yeah. The Lord is going to conquer you. I'm going to kill you. I'm just, I'm just a vessel or an instrument the Lord is going to use to take you out. David knew he had covenant with God, guys. You don't talk this strong if you don't know the Lord. The whole nation sitting there, army, scared, but here's David. Look at the next verse. Come on, us So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's own sword from his sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, what they did? They ran, they were scared because they recognized that God's covenant man was in place here. So, 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 Brother Pastor, the last thing we said was God enabled David. He enabled David. First thing, I was, under, under that last point, I want you to just jot this down. Number one, it was the Lord's victory. Everybody say it was the Lord's victory. See, I, listen, whatever I do in life, I don't take any credit for it. I, I give God the glory because he's the one who's able to see me through. Anything I've ever accomplished in life, anything this ministry does, I don't care what happens. We're going to give God glory. And it's not going to be about us. It was the Lord's victory. See, God wants to use his people to magnify his name to all the nations. And don't you believe, for, don't you ever doubt for one second that God didn't get the glory out of this thing. Amen. Those words of unbelief that the giant spoke bounced off of David. He wouldn't accept them or the fear that those words generated. Because again, for 40 days, he, he he come out bragging and doing all this for 40 days, amen? But but the word of God in your heart is your protection against the attacks of Satan, is the attacks of the enemy. So what I want to encourage each one today is when you got giants in your life, make sure you fill your, word with, your heart with the word of God Specifically as it relates to that giant that you're facing. If it's if it's sickness in your body, fill your heart with words from the scripture that deal with divine healing. Can I get a witness? If you're facing financial difficulties, fill your heart with the word of God as it relates to finances. Can I get a witness? It was the Lord's victory. Not only that, but it was David's victory also. God, David got the orders correct because he said. It's God, and then I'm going to kill you. It was David's victory also, amen. How many of y'all know that God works through man? God works through man to get his will done in the earth realm. And a man or woman of God who has their heart, amen, conditioned to receive his word will be a, a vessel that God can use to accomplish great things in earth. And not only that, but it became Israel's victory. Not only was the Lord's victory, It was David's victory, but it became Israel's victory. It became the nation's victory. Amen? But it wasn't Saul's victory, y'all. Because God got the glory out of all this. Can I get a witness? God got the glory out of all this. Sometimes it's what we say that discounts our faith. Go over right quick, if you will, to John, the 14th chapter, verse number 30. And, and and I want to look at this and I'm gonna look at Isaiah fifty three and seven real quickly. Because guys, we start this off by saying what happens when we pray. And we, we we've identified the fact that our words that we speak are critically important to whether or not we're gonna experience victory in every situation in our life. And how we say things, what do you realize or not it matters? What you say matters. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, the stuff that's coming out of your mouth matters. Hallelujah. Go to the KJV in this, John 14 and 30, right quick. It matters. John 14, 30. It says, here's Jesus saying, hereafter, I will not talk much with you. Why? For the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. He said, Hence, Hereafter, I will not talk much with you. For the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. Go to Isaiah 53 and 7 right quick. Watch this. Isaiah 53 and 7. Sometimes, guys, when we're in the middle of a stressful situation, if we can't speak covenant-filled words like David, it's best not to say anything. Hello? When the pressure is on and and, and you don't have word to deal with that pressure that's coming against you, just shut your mouth because nine times out of ten, you're going to say something that violates your covenant agreement with God. And remember this Jesus is the apostle and the high priest of our profession, what we say. So if I'm going to say something that's against God's covenant, then guess what my apostle is going to do? He ain't taking that nowhere. Because he can't take it to the Father because it won't do any good. Watch this. This is talking about Jesus. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he what? He opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. This is prophetically talking about Jesus Christ. And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his what? Mouth. One of the most difficult times for us To discipline our minds, our mouths, our moods, and our attitudes is when we're going through a time of intense pressure or a time of storm. Would y'all agree? the, 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 The toughest time to discipline what we say is when we're going through a storm or when we are facing a giant. Amen? Can I get a witness? When Jesus was experiencing the most intense pressure, he decided that it would be wise not to open his mouth. Coming to the crucifixion, when they marched him from judgment hall to judgment hall, and we sang that song, he never said a mumbling word. Jesus kept his mouth shut. You know, there's the, he, there's the human side of the master, and there's also the, the, the godly side of the master. Because Jesus was God manifest in human flesh. And in his humanity, guys, the Bible says he prayed this to the father. Father, if there's any other way to accomplish this victory, let this cup pass from me. The cup of the crucifixion, the cup of being separated from the father. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. The human side of him was not looking to be separated from the, from the father, but he says, God, I'm going to do it the way you told me to do it. And I believe that, that many times when we look at this thing, when under pressure, you know, even a mature believer will say something that he shouldn't say if the pressure is intense enough and lasts long enough. So sometimes we got to learn how to keep our mouth shut if we're going to say something that's not lined up with God's covenant word. Jesus, even as he faced intense pressure, when the enemy was coming against him, the Bible said he didn't say a word. And if you're not going to speak faith for words, learn to keep your mouth shut altogether. Because what do most of us do when we face a storm? We start to complain quickly, real quickly. Go, go with me, if you will, to uh, Mark. Let's go to Mark, the fourth chapter. Verse number 35. Y'all know this story, but I, I want to share, share it with you right now. Here, here the disciples are they, they, with Jesus. They follow him. But the words from their mouth begin to show that they were operating in fear. And the enemy can hear the words from my mouth. Amen? Jesus came to this earth in the form, even though he was fully God, but yet he was fully man. Amen? And the Bible says in Hebrews 4, 4 and 15 that in all points, he was tempted like we are yet without sin. So that means if Jesus was tempted, the Bible wouldn't say he was tempted if he was not tempted. Tempted means being enticed to do something that's outside the will of God. So temptation is not sin, right? It's yielding to temptation of sin, right? So our master was tempted in the wilderness, Mark, Matthew 4. Y'all remember that, right? He was hungry. He thought about turning stones into bread, but he did not. Temptation came, but he spoke word rather than what he was thinking. Let me say this right quick. Don't always say what you think. Listen to me very carefully. Some of y'all mess your own self up. Well, I'm just going to tell them what's going on my mind. I, that's just the way I am. If they don't like it, they can leave it. No, no, no. The Bible says a fool utters all his mind. But a wise man, Eric, will keep it in the afterwards. A fool utters all his mind. And I'll go even further and say this. A person who doesn't understand faith will say whatever comes to their mind. We got to learn how to discipline our, our mouth. Because when we're facing a situation, we want to be like David. We want to speak covenant words and not words of fear like the rest of them. Look at what the text says here. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Let's go to the other side. Look at this. So they took Jesus in in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. Now, Jesus had said, let's go to the other side. How many of y'all know when Jesus said, we're going to the other side? If you take him at his word, you get to the other side. Right? But watch what happened. But soon a fierce storm came up. Here's when the pressure comes. When you start out with God, when you start being obedient to God, when you start out tithing, and then your, your AC breaks down. When you start out tithing, then all of a sudden the, the, your mechanic tells you your transmission needs to be worked on. It's going to cost you $700. When you start out, amen, praying for people and then the people you pray for treat you worse than the people you ain't praying for. You start out with Jesus being obedient but in the middle of your obedience storms come. Giants show up. So what are you going to do when they show up? But soon a fierce storm came up. Highways were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Watch the text. Watch this. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Now, Jesus was with these boys. He said, let us go. He said, y'all go. That was one time when he sent them over, but this time he's with them. How many of y'all know he never leaves us nor forsakes us? Watch this. Jesus sleep at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Care us not that we perish? What... <laughs> Now, they forgot all about that Jesus said, let's go to the other side. Because when Jesus says, let's go to the other side, that means if you trust him, you get to the other side. But a storm arose. Watch watch what he says in 39. I'm, I'm closing out. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the water, what? Silence. Be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped and there was great calm. When you got Jesus riding with you, baby, let me tell you something. When those no storm comes up, you call on your master, and he's able to speak to those storms and tell them, "Be still." Watch this. Watch this. Look, look at verse forty. Watch this. Now watch. Watch what Jesus says. Then he asks them, "Why are you afraid?" Now notice what he does. He connects their fear to them not having faith. Come on now. Look at neighbor. And say neighbor, you're scared. Why are you afraid, do you... Now watch what he says here. Do you still have no faith? That word still is very important because what that implies is that Jesus said, you guys have been walking with me. You saw me work miracles. You saw me feed 5,000 beside women too, church and you still ain't got no faith? See, I think that when storms and giants come, if you find yourself getting ready to say something that doesn't line up with your covenant, you better learn how to close your mouth because death and life is in the power of the tongue and they that love it eat the fruit thereof. What are you going to say when the giants come in your life? David spoke words that were in accordance with the covenant that he knew that the Israelite people had with God. His brother and them were scared. They didn't do it. But the anointed one, David, did. Here, the disciples were fearful. And Jesus says, do you still have no faith? We're going to unpack some more of that next week. What happens when we pray? What happens when we pray? David showed us that when we speak faith-filled words, when we understand the covenant that we have with God, we're able to, to, to slay the giants in our life. All of us are going to face some challenging times. Just because you're saved don't mean that challenges don't come your way. But here's what I will tell you, and I've experienced this for myself. I've tried the man, and the man is all right. When you learn how to speak the word of God over your situation, Jesus, the apostle, and the high priest of our profession will take our words to the Father, and our Father will answer our prayer. We just got to learn how to speak the right thing. What happens when we pray? Every head bowed, every eye closed.